you're listening in, tuning online, we're in uh, Psalm 34, starting about verse 12. What man is he that desireth life and loveth many days, that he may see good? Keep thy tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking guile. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and his ears are open unto their cry. The face of the Lord is against them that do evil, to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. The righteous cry, and the Lord heareth, and delivereth them out of all their troubles. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart, and save as such be as a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. He keepeth all his bones, not one of them is broken. Evil shall slay the wicked, and they that hate the righteous shall be desolate. The Lord redeemeth the soul of his servants, and none of them that trust in him shall be desolate. May the Lord's blessing to the reading of his word. I hope you're coming through okay on the live stream. I haven't seen it plug in yet. Anyway, hopefully, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, as we think about these verses, may we rejoice again in your care for us. You deliver us. You are the deliverer out of them all. And so we're thankful that you promised that. May we uh, be about your business, be encouraged even by the lesson tonight. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Questions we are, number one, on the, on the first page of your, of your lesson is what was David determined to teach his listeners in verse 11? The fear of the Lord. He was determined to teach them that. Second, what was the term of affection that David employs in verse 11, which demonstrated his care for his followers? Possibly there actually were children, but it was the word children. He says there, come ye children, hearken unto me, I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Question number three, do, do you believe that most people today are striving to gain knowledge of this life or of the next? I think it's this life. People are striving to get for whatever they can get in this life. Uh, question number four, what is the current life expectancy of, 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 a, of if you're alive in America today? It's 76.1 to 76.4 years. If you're born today, if you've been born today, uh, it's 79 to 80 years of life expectancy if you are born in America today. Uh, Seneca said the benefit of life is not in the length, but in the use of it. Question number five, verse 13, where had David recently struggled to keep his lips from speaking guile? Gath, King Achish, and he had acted insane and they pushed him out. Spurgeon said, men cannot, and verse 13 says for us, keep thy tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking guile. Like Spurgeon's quote, men cannot spit forth poison without feeling some of the venom burning their own flesh, which is so true. I like the little quote that said, he who slings mud always loses ground. And I read this today, he who gossips to you will gossip about you. And so there we go. We are to keep our tongue from guile. And therefore, take heed, first of all, in the letter A was take heed to your words. And that would be about verse 12 or 13. Verse uh, 13 it was. And next we have is take heed to your walk. Verse 14, depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. I was thinking this, this evening as I was reading through again, where depart from evil. It's not just doing the one thing. It's, it's like we're turning, but we just can't stay status quo. We to, to engage so we're to depart from evil and do good. So it's not just leaving that behind. We have left the sinful world behind as a Christian, yes, but now we are in, in, uh, we are in Ephesians 2.10. We're to be doing good works. That's what God has foreordained. That we're, the idea there's a po, poema. You are his masterpiece. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. And so we are to be doing good works. That's this part of what we do. 
Depart from evil means in your outline, go away from it, not merely take your hands off, but yourself off. Avoid the lion's lair, leave the viper's nest, set a distance between yourself and temptation. Question six, how does a Christian set a distance between themselves and temptation? Perhaps it'd be temptation to do what? I think there's very practical steps that you and I can take. If something is a Waterloo for you, then you don't go down the aisle. If I have struggled with drinking, then I'm not going down the aisles uh, that are at the grocery store that have drink on them. Or if I struggle with this or I struggle with that, then I'm not going to go down those aisles that perhaps he might stir a memory or something. You know, if I was, I know, uh, whatever it is, we just avoid those. That's just a practical thing. Guard your thoughts. Guard your actions. Read Scripture. Have Scripture memorized. Sometimes it takes drastic measures. Again, the, the book I'm reading with Stephanie is Finally Free, and sometimes he says there's going to be some drastic measures that you have to do if you're really serious about that. And so I told my wife tonight, I said, I'm off desserts again now, so no more desserts for a while. And she gave me the frown. I said, I just, I just got to start making some progress the right direction instead of the wrong direction. So sometimes it's just, just drastic measures. For me, it's what it takes. I mean, see, it's all in or not, and it's all or nothing. And so I just can't, like, a little bit of pie there, a little bit of pie. It's like, I want all or nothing, so I got to go for nothing. And to do good, positive virtue. He who does good is sure to avoid evil, seek peace. To do good, a lady, one of the ladies down in Olive Hill at the center called me today and said, Tim, she says, tomorrow I have, I, have a, I have a movie and popcorn plan, and someone's been in the center and got my TV all messed up. Can you somehow come down here first thing in the morning and fix this for me so we can have our popcorn and movie day? Now, tomorrow I have an audit call. I just found out with the people at Dale. First time anybody in our whole department's ever had an audit call from the Department of Aging Independent Living. Just happened to be, it falls on me. And tomorrow I've got to have all my invoices turned in and have also the, the projections updated and turned in by tomorrow at 4. And she wants me to come down and to get her TV fixed. So I said, yes, I'll do it. Sure, I'll do it. So there we are. Do good. Seek peace. I may have to work through lunch. Who knows? Seek peace. But I have... I love my, my job. I get paid for lunch every day without working. I mean, I get an hour paid lunch. I mean, it's the, 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 the uh, it's just, it's a, I'm thankful for my job. Seek peace. Not merely prefer it, but we've got to seek it. It's got to be something that we, we just, we just don't like what, that hope it just happens. No, we're going to seek peace. Mr. Waterland says the most desirable things are not the easiest to obtain, be obtained. But this great blessing does not voluntarily present itself. It must be sought. Thomas Watson said, It's not enough for us to say at the last day we have done no hurt. We have lived in no gross sin. He says this, But what good have we done in the vineyard? Where is the grace we have gotten? If we cannot show this, we shall lose our pay. That's a Puritan writer from about the 1600s, I think, in the long time past, Thomas. What he's saying is if, if we, we just can't sit on the laurels. I've been, you know, us four no more. I've been saved by grace. I've got my fire insurance. I'm going to heaven. Well, that's, that's the start. We've got to go on then and share what God has blessed us with with other people. Why are you still here? Why are you and I still here? God has a purpose for all of us in some capacity as his children. Question seven. What are some practical ways to seek peace, and what are some criteria for effective peace-seeking? I have jotted down, follow the Bible, be right with God, right mindset, humility, right attitude, 
Use scripture, obviously, pray. If we're going to seek peace with a person or with those we come in contact with, humility is so important, as you well know, to be the right mindset, right with God. C is take heed to your works. In verse 15 and 16, the eyes of the Lord upon the righteous and his ears are open unto their cry. The face of the Lord is against them that do evil to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. God sees what you do and hears what you say. Isn't that a terrific thought that we can pray at any moment? We can say, Lord, please help me. And, and there was someone, I, I think Karen texted me about 100. I said, I'll pray for him right now. I think as Cindy was yesterday, I'll pray, stop and pray right now. Wherever we are, we can stop and pray right then. And God hears it. It's a wonderful thing. It is. But it's not so wonderful if you're not right with God and you're not doing what, he, what you're supposed to be doing. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous. We have, as you well know, cat story number one tonight. We have two cats. We have one that's a year old, and we have little Mozart. And this year old is like the mentor to this Henri one called Mo. And so he's always watching what he's doing. He about knows where he is all the time. He can't even go to the potty by himself, hardly. And so he's just watching over him. The Lord is watching over us. He's intently watching. It's the righteous. He is watching with such intent. And his ears are open to their cry. It's like he will go downstairs, the big cat will go downstairs and start meowing for the little one. We'll say, Mo, he's calling for you. Go down there. Go on there. There they go. And and they enjoy playing with one another. The third cat we have now is still in a room by herself. We've called her Queen Josephine, and she she is just that. And so she has not learned to play well with others, and so we are keeping her by herself for the moment yet. And so we knew that going in. And so there we are. And so the, the Lord hears, and he, and he wants to hear our cry. I went into last Wednesday morning, I went to one of the senior centers, and the director had had, it was, a, it was I could see the stress when I walked in. And so she came in while I was, and she said, I just got to tell somebody. <laughs> and so she let me, oh, this is what, I said, oh, I'm so sorry. It was a very stressful thing. She said, I'm sorry. for. I said, you have to talk to somebody. And so that is it. The Lord wants to hear us call upon him. He's listening. Verse 16, the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. Question number nine or eight. What is the seeming success or with the seeming success of those promoting evil in our country? How do we balance the phrase with our current moral climate? They should wake up. The face of the Lord is against them that do evil to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. That should make folks in our nation who are not following God, whatever they, they should wake up. Because God is, does not play games. And can you remember to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth? You're going to spend maybe 60 or 70 years trying to accumulate things and get a name here on earth. And then when it's all over for eternity, you know, it will be an unknown. And also ran. Question number nine, what should these verse do to those determined to reign? Evil would reign and scare them big time, I wanted to say. Question ten, will those who promote the destruction of human beings and godly values ever receive their just reward? Yes, they will. They will receive that. Interestingly enough, not here in this life sometimes, CBS uh, 60 Minutes last Sunday interviewed a man named Paul Ehrlich, who's 90 years old. 1968, he wrote what was called the Population Bomb. He predicted by the mid-70s there was going to be this famine across the world, and the world's population was going to decrease. The world's population, when he wrote the book, was 3.5 billion. Now it's over 8 billion. And yet, and yet, this very same man who really blew it, they had him on 
60 Minutes last Sunday talking about, well, now what do you think about this? Or how is the climate changing? And stuff. Listen, he, he's blown it. Okay? He wrote an entire book predicting all this. None of it is exactly the opposite. Then why are you promoting him over here again to give his. We don't necessarily want to hear what he says. I didn't watch. I don't, he may be a nice man over. I don't know. But we, we find it. But someday, God will hold everyone accountable. Even Christians, I believe, we're going to be held responsible for what we did with what God gave to us to use. He will stamp out their fires. Their honor shall be turned into shame. Their names forgotten and accursed. They shall be cast into everlasting punishment. Sad. Terribly sad. Page 3, learn from his example. The righteous cry, and the Lord heareth and delivereth them out of all their troubles. I wrote in your outline there, I, David might have said, I am living proof of what I have been telling you. Down there in Gath, I was a broken and contrite man, bitterly sorry for what I had said and done. I still don't know why Achish let me go. I can only say, the Lord delivered me. Get right with God, and he will see you through. The phrase, the Lord heareth, refers to what? It's, well, the, one of the authors said it's sort of like uh, the idea of, of the alarm going off. It's like the night watchman. As soon as he hears the alarm, there he, he goes off. And we were having one of the Zoom meetings. If you know what Zoom meetings are, you have like, we have like 20 pictures on a screen. And you got all these people. And one lady says, oh, I got to go. Just a minute. I hear alarm going off. And she had to respond right then. She came back a couple minutes later. But that's the idea. As soon as the alarm, oh, I got to go. Alarm's going off. I got to answer that alarm. And then that's, that's the idea here. The righteous cry and the Lord heareth. Now, he may not answer at our speed, but he hears, he heareth us and delivereth them out of their troubles. What a wonderful thing. There's no net of troubles can so hold us that the Lord cannot free us. Our afflictions may be numerous and complicated, but prayer can set us free from them all, says John Phillips. Verse 18, the Lord, one of my mother-in-law's favorite verses, the Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart and saveth such be as of a contrite spirit. 18 and 19, two of her very favorite verses. Broken hearts thank God far away when yet he's probably even most near to them. Their eyes are holding so they can't not perhaps see their best friend. Indeed, he is with them all this time. Spurgeon says, he is foolish, cruel surgeon who, for the fear of putting his patient to some pain, never searches the wound but skins it over presently. And a wise man will not think him unmerciful, though, that puts him to exquisite pain so that he may make a thorough cure of it. We may not want to hear that dentist, but that root canal needs to be fixed. And that nerve needs to get so We may not like the pain it's causing, but we know that in the end, and after the num- hopefully after the numbness wears off, that pain is going to be lessened. When I had my appendix surgery in September of 01, I remember uh, I didn't want, uh, I didn't want the, all that surgery required to heal from, but I also knew I didn't want that appendix staying there and really make a lot more problems. So we are to welcome the surgeon's scalpel if it cures us, not in some kind of crazy, oh, I want to hurt, I want not like that, but we welcome it if it gets out the gangrene, whatever. The contrite spirit in your outline, just when the sinner condemns himself, the Lord graciously absolves him. If we chasten our own spirits, the Lord will spare us. And I love this next little part. He never breaks the rod of judgment, 
on those who are already sore with the rod of conviction. I love that. He never breaks the rod of judgment on those who are already sore with the rod of conviction. We know what that means. It means if we're being serious with God, that goes a long way sparing us from his chastening rod. The contrite spirit makes up many defects in your service. Uh, Commentator Horn said in your outline, vessels of honor are made of that clay which is broken into the smallest parts. God want to be used by God? You've got to be willing to be broken by God to be of service. He does not use the arrogant uh, stallion or whatever. He doesn't use those. He uses those who are willing to be used. Remember in Jeremiah, is not my word like as a fire, saith the Lord, and like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces. That's what you feel when you read this word of God and it convicts you mightily. That's what it is. It's the word of God. It's living, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. Verse 19, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord. Now, isn't that a wonderful, is that, that's not a conjunction. What is that, but there? Is that a conjunction there? Anyway, the transition. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but, however, the Lord takes, the Lord delivereth him out of them all. The scripture does not flatter us like the storybooks with the idea that goodness will secure us from trouble. On the contrary, please do not promise people you're witnessing to, oh, if you'll just receive the Lord, all your troubles go away. I don't think you're doing that, but that's not what happens. We do have a friend that sticketh closer than any brother. We do have the assurance of heaven to gain, hell to shun. But most likely, you likely may have even more troubles. Our afflictions come at us from all points. I, I like what one man said. And are as many as the tormenting as the mosquitoes of the tropics. I added mosquitoes of northern Minnesota. There's a lot of mosquitoes. Have you ever been up north and there's just, there's a lot of mosquitoes there. The Lord delivers them out of them all. Thomas Adams said, Be our troubles many in number, strange in nature, heavy in measure. Yet God's mercies are more numerous, his wisdom more wondrous, his power more miraculous. He will deliver us out of it all. And verse 20, he keepeth all his bones and not one of them is broken. We might think of that possibly somewhat maybe as reference to the Messiah. I like what Andrew Bonar says, the Passover lamb of which not a bone was broken prefigured Jesus as one not a bone of whose body should be broken. And yet, at the same time, it prefigured the complete keeping and safety of Christ's body, the church. Christ will see all those, his children, to his heavenly home. We know that. He's going to... We are are predestined to be like Christ as his children. We're going to be conformed to his image. End of Romans chapter 8. So then finally, the summary, as we close, 21. Evil shall slay the wicked... And they that hate the righteous shall be desolate. In effect, David's likely saying, or if we might, in our current cultural language, I'm going to practice what I preach. I'm from now on, I'm going to leave my case in God's hand. And so David did, as far as Saul was concerned. Remember, he refused to slay Saul when he had the opportunity. I got, oh, go ahead and kill Saul. You're right, he's right here in the cave. You got his number. Go ahead and do it. No, I'm not going, I'm not going to do that. It's like the law of the weasel. The weasel is a very interesting uh, character. Uh, He will go and he will get his nose latched onto a certain rabbit. And so he starts, he has a 
voracious appetite for blood, from what I understand. And so he's got that scent, and the rabbit starts running and running, and the weasel just slithers along, slithers along, and the rabbit's running here, running there, go backtracking, and he'll stop at his hole, and the weasel might go by 50 other rabbits. But he knows the one he's tracking. So the rabbit's running, 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 and running. Finally, the rabbit tuckers out, and he lays down in the grass. Here comes the weasel. Keep trolling along. And when the rabbit's all tuckered out, the weasel has his supper. That's the idea. It's, it's the law of the weasel. Evil shall slay the wicked, David said. Evil's like God's weasel, if you would, on the trail of the rabbit, the unbeliever. Nothing but intervening grace can turn it aside. None of them in 22 that trust in him shall be desolate. Ungodly men, says Spurgeon, only need rope enough and they will hang themselves. Their own iniquity shall be their punishment. They hated the best of company and they shall have none. They shall be forsaken, despoiled, wretched, despairing. God makes the viper poison itself. And then there's a lesson of the wave. There was an Englishman named Archibald Brown, Archibald Brown who, who was a wild knight on the Isle of Wight in England, and the, and the wind was blowing and the waves were coming in, and he and his wife were standing on the porch of their house, and just between them and the ocean wall and the ocean waves was just a narrow roadway, and the waves were crashing, and, and they looked out and they watched the waves and they were frightened. And then finally, Mr. Brown turned over to his, turned to his wife and said, okay, we can go to bed now. What? Go to bed with all these waves crashing? Perhaps they're going to knock down our house? He goes, yes. See, he had looked at his watch. High tide was over, so it's going to start going back. That's the law of the wave. It's the law of the weasel for the unbeliever. For the evil is going to follow him all the way through, no matter what. You can run as far as you want. It eventually, we'll get you. The law of the wave is we can trust God. His ways are always correct. And that what God said, that waves, the ocean's going to have bounds. I can't remember exact verse in Scripture, but they have, they have guidelines and they have bounds where they're not going to go past. That is God's favor upon the believer. Job says, thus far and no further. Hitherto shall they come, but no further. And that's God. He may, uh, thus too runs this infallible degree in your outline, page 4. The Lord redeemeth the soul of his servants. Here too then is David's summary. For the sinner is the law of the weasel, the law of the relentless trail. For the saint is the law of the wave, the law of the obedient tide. The Lord redeemeth the soul of his servants. And none of them that trust in him shall be desolate. Who else promises that? What other religion promises that? Confucius? Joseph Smith? Leaders of Jehovah's Witnesses? This this. Does Allah promise what we just read in the Bible? The Lord redeemeth his soul of his servants, and none of them that trust in him shall be desolate? No. I believe that Islam teaches you do not for sure you're going to go even to heaven until you get there before Allah. The Bible, Jesus, God, is contrary to that. He promises to those. The Lord redeemeth the soul of his servants, and none of them that trust in him shall be desolate. Don't you think those guys listening to David in the cave were, yeah, man, I got, I got to learn this. Our king has told us we, we need to follow that. Songwriter said, the soul that on Jesus hath leaned for repose, he will not, he will not desert to its foes. That soul, though all hell should endeavor to shake, he'll never, no, never, no, never forsake. That verse 2, that little phrase there, he will not, he will not desert 
to his foes. Unless you stop and read that, he's, although we have foes, he's not deserting us to those foes. That soul that all hell should endeavor to shake, he will never, will never, will never forsake. Isn't that a wonderful promise? Psalm 34. Fall in love with God as you read such wonderful psalms given to us. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you'd help us as we think about this beautiful psalm we've looked at for the last several weeks. May we rejoice. That last verse, you're not going to forsake us. We're not going to be found desolate. You are going to guard us, and your promises are true and righteous altogether. You deliver us out of them all. You are the great deliverer. May we rejoice with us now as we go our separate ways, especially be with those needs we mentioned tonight, that you'd comfort the families and those in physical need, emotional, spiritual, that you'd watch over them. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.